On this week's episode of the We've Seen That Podcast, we watched the 1998 Marvel Cinematic Masterpiece, Blade. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jim. Cut the music. We're back. Uh, this is the 26th episode of the We've Seen That podcast. Um, yeah, we're back. Another glorious week of movies. Um, actually, Jim, I told you in the in our little pregame lobby here, I went golfing yesterday. I'm incredibly jealous. <laughs> I'd kill to be out on the golf course right now. I would have never pictured myself golfing in a golf cart on March 13th, to be honest. I can't believe the course <laughs> allowed carts, but it was in good shape. Um, just a local Viroqua golf course, but um, yeah, there wasn't too much soupy, wet areas on the course. You know, it, it was pretty dried out, which was nice. Um, and I actually golfed okay. You know, for the first outing of the year, I'll take it. It's <laughs> it's downhill for me. <laughs> that's how it true. Always goes that's for me. true. I almost would have rather struggled and at least had something to look forward to. Now it's like. <laughs> Well, I should build off that, and you know you never do at this level, you know. See, now, I say I'd kill to be on the golf course, but what I really mean to say is I'd kill to have a beer in my hands looking for a ball in the woods, because that's about how I golf. <laughs> that's about it. And it, I will say the weather was nice, but it wasn't, you know, I I would be right there with you in, like, 80-degree weather looking for my ball in the woods with, <laughs> yeah. a, with a cold beer in my hand. That would be just about perfect. <laughs> Yesterday was about 60, so... It was nice, you know, nice enough to wear shorts, at least for us Wisconsinites, but it was still a little breezy, so. We'll yeah, see. and that breeze has been the killer lately, right? Yeah. It's been warm enough, but I don't know. The house we bought is up on like a hill, so we get a wicked breeze coming across the side of the house, which A, drifts snow in winter, just delightful, mm. and B, makes it frigid if you want to be outside and there's any amount of wind. Yeah, it's like. No matter which way you put it, like, the warm weather's come in, so we're getting winds from the south, but even that is, like, they're, like, 10 to 15 miles per hour, and then as soon as we get, like, we got another cold stretch here coming up, starting tomorrow, actually. I think yeah, we're going to be, like, down in the 30s again. Yeah, and we're supposed to get, like, four inches of snow, up to four inches of snow, I guess. Yikes, they're not predicting any for us, I'm lucky. glad of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's annoying. But then it's supposed to be back up by, like, 50 by the end of the week, so... I, I don't know why I act surprised every year. We live through the same shit in Wisconsin every year. We get fooled into false spring every year. But I, like, kill me for being optimistic, man. I just, I like the spring time. It's just a sign of good things coming, I think, usually. I mean, we haven't finished out the six extra weeks of winter that Punxsutawney Phil predicted a couple weeks ago. So, like, true, dude, I, I don't know why you were being optimistic, <laughs> because it was just a mistake. You were told. I know. I know. Always <laughs> listen to that guy, man. Oh, too good. Um, but anyway, let's kind of just dive right in here. Um, any news from Scott? Did he watch anything except numbers across computer screens and papers? 
Nah, he's just kicking ass, driving up to uh, the S-Corporation and partnership filing deadline. So if you don't have those in, hurry it up. <laughs> you literally have 24 hours by the time this pod drops. Uh, love it. Listen to these guys. They're smart. They know what to do. Always take their advice. That's what I would do. <laughs> um, perfect. Well, we'll jump into right what we're watching. Uh, Jim, why don't you start us off, bud? Alrighty. So I kind of had a packed couple of days here. Um, Angie and I just adopted a dog and she's an incredibly great lap dog. Her name is Sophie. She's adorable. Um, but so because of that, we basically napped and watched movies in the basement all day yesterday. So I watched Iron Man 3, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and about an hour or so of Age of Ultron. Um, just trying to drive down that, uh, MCU rabbit hole and get myself to watch Endgame at the appropriate point in the order here. Um, so Iron Man 3 uh, was boring as shit. It's just <laughs> wildly unexciting. And I, I believe I had said like, oh yeah, they made the same Iron Man three times over. And like the villain in this one is not necessarily another guy in an Iron Man suit. But like this, the regeneration thing could have been cooler and may, it probably could have been cooler if uh, Pepper at the end had done a little bit more with it. I would have killed to see that. Um, even though she did kind of take out the bad guy, but I give that one a five out of 10. It was incredibly meh. Yeah. I think I've only seen that one, honestly, one time and it wasn't even in theaters. I think I, we rented it or something and I haven't seen it since. So I kind of just mirror your thoughts, you know, a movie that's just pretty, yeah, it's okay. It fits in the universe. It kind of fills some holes and then, yeah, it's just not one of the more rewatchable in in my opinion either you know of of the many movies in the universe for sure and i think in terms of like advancing things the the biggest thing in the overarching story is that this kind of makes uh tony not want to be iron man but then at the end of the movie he says you know what i am iron man um and he gets the shrapnel out of his chest but like the post credit scene the remainder of the overarching story doesn't quite seem to have anything to do with what i understand for the remainder of uh the movies so i don't right. know Th- this one i firmly believe i probably could have skipped is this the one where he's with the kid in his garage yeah the kid yeah. harley um yeah. and they're trying to repair his suit yeah um i like those couple scenes were pretty neat i like those they were cool but other than that yeah i mean there wasn't too many memorable moments honestly that i from what i remember yeah the the kid was pretty good um normally i like i said worry about child actors ruining a movie but he was all right um i think that they did a lot they spent a lot of time with tony and him arguably too much um that maybe could have been spent like looking into like the the obviously fake science of this self-regeneration thing probably could have spent some more time talking or showing that um but yeah easy peasy not offensive movie to watch but i don't know i i put the odds pretty high that i never watch this movie again (laughs) nice okay so roll right into captain america winter soldier this movie was pretty great I kind of, I, I think, I think this is one that I slept on a lot because like I, I hit a big lull in like watching comic book movies. Like I watched like Thor, Iron Man, Captain America all right away when they first came out. But this one I kind of like slept on and didn't end up seeing in theaters, I don't think. Uh, but like the whole uh, shield being a Hydra, like 
factory. What am I trying to say? Uh, shield housing Hydra agents yeah. unknowingly. That was a cool turn. Um, Falcon is a pretty awesome character, and I really like uh, Anthony Mackie. Uh, how he plays the role. He's just got kind of a little bit of a smart-ass streak in it, which makes it fun. Um, and obviously, I just cements Chris Evans as the perfectly cast Captain America. I I don't think anyone could have done it better. Um, and the introduction of, or reintroduction of Sebastian Shaw, right, as Bucky, it, it was, it just had everything, you know? And, and even fucking Black Widow was in it, too. And she gets to show off some of her moves and, like, with the whole covert kind of thing that they're going for, trying to be the spies within the spies to some degree or, like, be under the radar from the spies. It was it was really good. I give that one an 8 out of 10. Yeah, this one always strikes me as a little more, like, edgy, too. Or, like, you know, not... It has the typical Marvel, like, charm and comic re- relief, but, like... Bucky being that like sleeper agent and like being corrupt and like Chris Evans having to like or Captain America um having to like you know play that fine line of like trying to stop him but at the same time like this is his best friend you know it's like I liked that little dynamic within like the overall arching story and and like the story but this Captain America story in particular I thought was yeah really interesting and this one I I definitely would probably rate it up where like in the eights probably eight out of ten range too this was this is definitely probably in my top he might be in the top five of you know mcu movies MCU movies. yeah i thought it was really good for sure yeah i mean it and also the post-credit scene here was really good too this was the introduction to pietro and wanda um and i'm driving up to age of ultron where we're going to get introduced to vision so i mean it's it's cool to some degree to be on the back end right with wandavision and then come back and watch these where those characters are getting introduced um which is which is pretty cool like yeah. i've been enjoying that quite a bit i will save wandavision and turn it over to you mm. for what you're watching sounds good yeah like that's kind of harped on that last week just quickly before i get to my thing um yeah it was neat just to see wandavision and then go back and watch age of ultron and like i said like you said you watched the first hour and i think Last week when I said it, it does get better, I think, on a rewatch. Maybe watching WandaVision kind of helps it somehow, but I thought I liked it better like this second or third time I came around to it than the first time I saw it. So hopefully we'll yeah, hear I what... definitely could see that. Yeah, we'll hear what you have to say next week. But um, yeah, so I watched The Prestige, um, Christopher Nolan's like take on magicians and dueling magicians and who can out you know trick the other one with like the <laughs> ultimate trick uh no but it's a lot more complex than that a lot of twists and turns um it stars obviously christian bale and um oh goodness hugh jackman as the two like magicians and obviously michael kane a staple of nolan movies um this came out in like 2006 so right after he did the first batman uh, Batman Begins in the trilogy, so just kind of like a complete turn from what he had started then, and obviously finished with the Batman trilogy. But I, it's it's definitely in the top three Nolan movies for me. I'd probably give it like a nine out of ten. Um, oh, so this is also a Christopher Nolan film. Yep, it's it's amazing. I I think it's really good. There's the twist at the end is awesome. You know. Nolan's non-linear story storytelling is like on full display here. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend. Uh, if you ever got like 
two two and a half hours to sit down and watch it. I it's very entertaining from start to finish, and I think a lot of people would enjoy it. Right, right. And is that one streaming right now? It is on Amazon Prime, I believe, is where I watched it. Sweet, sweet. So, yeah, definitely available if anyone's got that to, to throw that on. I would highly recommend. Um, but yeah, without further ado, since I dropped the ball last week. Um, <sighs> so ridiculous. <laughs> we're pushed in our WandaVision finale, pushed it back a week to today. Um, yeah, wild. Nothing really happened that we thought or theorized i thought that yeah. was pretty you know i don't know I, i've soured on a little soured on it a little bit in the last week like it, it, it was fine right um they're setting her up to drive her off into dr strange right and she gets a badass outfit which honestly i'm 100 percent there for it looks fucking awesome and they're making a funko pop of it which is might break me i've sworn off buying them but as anthony can see on the video i have a whole wall of them behind me you got room for um, a few more jim i can see yeah it. just a couple more <laughs> oh man but it, the the pop that came out with it obviously the outfit is fucking cool and they're making a glow-in-the-dark white vision which also kind of cool oh yeah um so do we think vision's coming back I... since vision uploaded his own uh memories into into the white vision new white vision i mean i would think so i mean we'd be you'd probably be naive to just assume that because they don't if any of this show taught us anything they didn't really give us anything we thought was really gonna happen or lead to but that doesn't mean they won't but i mean if you had to just ask me based on what i saw yeah and like vision well i should say real vision or her apparition of vision he seemed much more at peace towards the end oh, yeah. i don't know if he like knew that maybe they would meet again obviously through through this new white vision and his memories but i would think so he kind of just flew off though you don't really get any sort of you know yeah so we don't know where the hell he went right um that, that well the question confusing. is when is he finally going to show up is it going to be in multiverse of madness that doesn't quite seem to fit or are we going to literally wait years for him to come back right right and like so what does that do to wanda's character in the meantime you I mean i did, i don't know it's it was okay what if she went bad what if she went bad <sighs> what if man i i i'd pay to see it you know in, in the beginning of age of ultron i've seen her like uh put the, put the moves on the avengers just a little bit but like she's got the book now from agatha so she's learning more and doing understanding more about magic that she could be a a really big foe in, in this uh next phase of the mcu i'd be kind of there for it right and like her motives could be driven by you know just for the love of her children which are lost or not lost are real or not real i don't know that <laughs> that ending that like at post credit scene where they're like screaming while she's kind of got her She's like split personality reading the reading the book there and then she kind of making hears a them, cup of coffee. Yeah, and she kind of hears them screaming like I don't know, like that just there's a lot of questions they left unanswered which are they going to do like another season of this or do you think this is just a one off? They said they're not opposed to doing another season, but to be perfectly honest, I don't know how the hell you would do another season of this because like to some degree their gimmick is dead right like they they've done it and it's over um 
and like the hex has been collapsed now right so her little universe of tv shows is gone um yeah so i guess like it could just be a wanda and vision show but also if you come back for a second season and you don't and you haven't brought vision back somewhere else then calling it wandavision is pretty telling right. that they're gonna try and bring him back or otherwise they'd change the name of the show yeah like i guess um, it is pretty specific to yeah what happened um and I'm, and I'm okay with a one-off season it's just yeah i'm just interested to see i guess what they do with her character next and vision the thing is i became attached to those two characters yeah i want to know so much more about both of them and like wanda right like let's say next thing she shows up in is team up movie doctor strange number two right and it's she's not going to get the screen time that i'm going to want to expand her character and especially up against benedict cumberbatch's doctor strange which i think is middling at best um so i i think i'd rather see her show up in her own movie that'd be fucking cool um or they get a second season of the show somehow right, right? but i don't know that and that all depends upon bringing vision back one thing and i i don't remember if we mentioned this on the pod but like she was experimented on with the mind stone mm-hmm. right and that's how she got her powers or unlocked them because apparently she already had powers um and like whether or not the fact that like she created vision from her mind stone powers that are inside of her which is also what gave vision his the ability to become alive whether or not him then putting that into white vision allows him to come back i think is the the big connection on how he would come back right right like would um, them like is she able to have some sort of yeah like telepathic connection maybe she can like find him or they'll that's how they'll meet up or something cuz yeah, from what, whether she finds him or yeah. just the fact that the ener- the residual energy is right. there in her projection of him, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. Again, yeah, it was it was a lot of it was pretty funny how nothing really happened. Instead, everyone was kind of theorizing and I don't know. It it was okay. It's not their fault. I mean, it's not their fault. Like I'm sure they had this show done and people just ran with theories and stuff like that. It's not like they're going to just but they should have known that would happen and like paul bettany coming out saying that there was going to be this huge fucking cameo that never showed up like and i guess that's just maybe a little bit asinine pardon me for not knowing the name off the top of my head but i guess one of the major showrunners um came out and said they like didn't expect people to like overreact with um the pho reveal with evan peters being cast as that i'm like are you, how can you be so Pull gullible? your head out of your yeah. ass. <laughs> You're literally choosing the same, the guy who played the same character from a different quote-unquote universe to play this one. Like, of course people are going to freak out. You know, it's, I well, don't know. And especially, like, when they were making this, they had to have known that the Fox deal was bare minimum at least on the table, let alone possibly closed, depending upon when they were filming. Right. Right. So that's like, yeah, with that looming, you know, you don't just make this decision willy nilly because you, I mean, maybe you do because you like Evan Peters, but don't think that people aren't going to see that and immediately like think like, oh, this is how they're going to bring the X-Men in or, oh, like this is how the two universes will collide. Like, yeah, you're just, that statement is just stupid to make. Like, yeah, I was absolutely floored by the fact that anyone could think that that was not gonna blow up somewhere it's just fucking stupid right right well i guess we can kind of do this what did what would you give that season rating i would give it an eight 
it, it was really great on the whole, right? Like, it, you know, it, it moves slow to some degree, but also the depth of the character build was incredibly deep. Like, we can probably say that in the first three episodes, there really wasn't any action whatsoever. Um, and for a nine episode show, that's generally kind of a lot to quote unquote throw away on not much happening. But it really cemented the mystery, which then got solved maybe just a little bit too quick right um on what the deal was but and and the final episode also being just the mildest bit of a throwaway i give it an eight yeah i think i'd fall somewhere within like yeah the seven to eight range um i think like you said we learned a lot more about two characters that never really got too much attention in the in the movies but i think they were able to accomplish a lot more in this tv format than they could like in their own movie so i i think that was a really smart decision i think they executed it pretty well um yeah i mean maybe i'm just being a fanboy but it's just it's hard to not be disappointed that we didn't get more like you know maybe some sort of just a little easter egg into like the universe is like um merging or just some sort of other like link into what might be next you know for the mcu it kind of just or like just tell your actors not to come out and fucking lie to people (laughs) or that (laughs) for sure paul bettany you're on my list man i'm upset (laughs) yeah maybe they'll make it up to us jim though we'll see we got (laughs) we got the the next show coming out is that next friday it debuts oh winter soldier yeah uh or falcon and the winter soldier yeah it comes out in like a week or two yeah so uh, this is bad podcast etiquette we should have thought about that <laughs> but, googling um, falcon but who knows like will that i mean i can't really see them probably linking it to this show too much i mean they maybe you'll mention character names or something but as far as i know it's probably gonna take place like right after the events of endgame and like caps quote-unquote death if he dies of old age now or something i don't know right i would assume it releases on march 19th so that it's this friday this friday yeah um i i have to be perfectly honest uh i didn't put this in hype porn maybe just because i know other people will be excited about it it should have been there but i have a, i'm very like middle of the road here too like i don't think this show is maybe necessarily going to be quite as fun or unique as uh wandavision was but i am prepared to have my socks blown off as well like if if it's amazing it's going to be amazing and that would be pretty fucking cool if they followed up like the number one show in the country right just because it's one of the few things that is new and it was a prestige show under disney right like if they can follow that up with another hit like that'd be huge right absolutely yeah so i'm excited we'll see that like i said we dropped that drops this friday we didn't just look that up on the spot (laughs) um (laughs) No. So yeah, that'll be fun. That's something good to look forward to. And hopefully, yeah, like we said, it can uh, kind of follow in the footsteps, um, at least for success wise, like WandaVision did. But um, perfect. But I guess we'll be rolling into the next category. The one and only hype horn. We got some big news. Um, some of the stuff, Jim, I, I'm not too familiar with, especially this uh, Zatanna project whoever that character is we'll leave that to you i would like to um kind of jump in with just the quick avatar re-release um it just seems like yeah. james cameron's just like hanging his junk all over the the movie industry and just wanting to regain you know his his title as like the top grossing movie but 
If you're allowed he to do like it. seems like a petty son of a bitch. That's what this seems like <laughs> to me. He really does. <laughs> like, I didn't even know this was possible. You can just decide to do it, and it counts. Well, it's it's like, uh, it's also like when you think of views. Like, we talked about that uh, Wizard of Oz remake that could be coming. And, like, they count number of views even, like, for the anniversary re-releases that end up in theaters sometimes, right? And, like, it still did sell that ticket, so why wouldn't you count the dollars? I guess. I mean, but what's to stop then, like, Endgame from, like, doing the same thing, like, in two years or something, you know? Literally nothing. Right. I know. It's It just seems like something that could just never end or i don't know like james cameron how about you at least just get the next movie out that you've been working on for the last like 12 years and then we yeah like avatar 2 instead of re-releasing this thing right right and i get it like the last year year and a half has been you know crazy for everyone um with the pandemic but like i said it's been 2009 avatar came out like come on right and it's getting a theatrical re-release and only in china which I think after the U.S. or in many cases ahead of the U.S. is like the biggest movie making country, not not in producing movies necessarily, but in paying to see movies. Right. Yeah. Um, they spend the most. Like the the Fast and Furious movies always are like they fucking clean up, clean up over in China. So those are that's where they make most of. You know, I don't. I don't want to say maybe like half usually of their box office comes from like at least those movies probably in particular because they're just immensely popular over there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of thought that was that was funny when I saw that uh, news release that James Cameron was doing that. I was just like, whatever, just give me the new movie. I'm not even saying Avatar was that great. It was okay. I mean, it was visually you know a spectacle especially at the time well and at the time it was right not quite so much anymore yeah and i think that's part of the reason what's taking so long i've read things about how james cameron wants this or at least maybe not the next one but at some point he wants to release like a movie that can be seen in 3d without glasses so like he's trying to do things where the technology might not even be available yet which could lead to i guess some sort of delay in in releasing a film but Either way, it's been too long, you know? Let's face it, though. 3D movies are kind of dead, though. I I never want to see a movie in 3D. I want to see it in normal, you know, flat. <laughs> right. the, the 3D movies give so many people headaches or, like, uh, vertigo and stuff like that that you just shouldn't yeah. do it. And I'm not going to pay extra for it. Absolutely not. Definitely one of those things that they tried to, like, push back you know even when we were younger like i remember seeing like spy kids 3d in theaters Mm -hmm. and like just something that never really clicked and i and i get it i don't i don't i would never really pay extra to go see a movie in 3d if it unless it was you know something like that had to be seen in 3d you know like can't miss and and maybe this next movie could be if it's if they can find a way to make it not as you know headache-ish for lack well and the question term. is like if you're making a movie for 3d like okay how many t- how many canned attempts are you gonna have where you throw something right at the audience so it looks like it's coming right at you and it's just like yeah right right tired no. bored exactly i agree i mean 3d just something that never really hit for the theaters but um but anyway yes what else do you got for us jim Okay, so you mentioned that there are uh, a Zatanna project mm-hmm. coming up by WB. So uh, Zatanna is actually a magician who exists in the DC universe. 
Um, if I'm if I'm running high porn, I am finding DC news for you guys. <laughs> so you'll good. just have to deal with it. I appreciate um, it. But so she's part of the Justice League Dark normally, which so there's multiple Justice Leagues, just like I think we've talked about how uh, there's multiple groups of Avengers when you look at the comic books. Um, I, I know they for sure did East and West Coast of Avengers. I think they also did avengers europe but same sort of situation here except for justice league dark is filled with all kinds of like kind of anti-heroes it's got john constantine um dead man who is basically a ghost um swamp thing which is one of my personal favorite characters he fell into a swamp and got turned into some monster right and he now has a connection to plants where he can control them um he's what's called a the envoy of the green i think is what it's called like there's this color spectrum of things and plants are green so he protects the plants but so basically the reason i mention all of that is like this satana movie probably means that they're coming up to a justice league dark movie which i believe they had mentioned before but with all the dceu problems the question was whether or not they were still going to go for it sure sure probably bigger for most people is the fact that at the same time they announced that they're working on a Batgirl movie um which could be super super cool curl Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the question is whether or not it would be uh Barbara Gordon or some of like Stephanie Kane or some of the other random characters who have been Batgirl for periods of time uh Barbara Gordon obviously being the most popular um and whether or not like she's gonna get launched in the um robert pattinson batman movie because that seems like the most logical place to go and seeing a really dark terrifying gritty batgirl movie would 100 percent trip my trigger yeah for sure like i that i keep forgetting that that movie is coming out yet the robert pattinson batman movie like didn't it get pushed to next year i think so I, it, it's, it's not even like soon at for this a point. while yet but like at the point when they released that trailer hadn't they only filmed like like 20 percent of the trailer movie. yeah like yeah. that was it like bold strategy cotton but i mean it worked like the, the trailer was very like you know you you grabbed my attention immediately and i and like i said over the last couple of years i've become a pretty big robert pattinson fan so we'll see i think that would be a great springboard for something like that for sure and it, it, i would be definitely down to watch I see. I like learning about new characters. You know, I don't really have a lot of knowledge about a lot of the DC characters. Obviously, I've heard of like Batgirl and stuff like that, but like I would have never imagined that you'd be able to get like some sort of you know standalone movie for like a lot of these characters. So it's really cool to see these things start to like pop up. You know, and we kind of talk about like the new horizon for like especially like female characters being able to like get their own um superhero movies it's 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 cool it's it's one of the good things about the industry at this moment i think for sure um right and and if it's not clear zatanna is um she she's a female person who does magic i guess from that name you can't quite tell necessarily so yeah two female-led projects even which is awesome awesome to see for sure um continuing on benedict cumberbatch shits on all fan castings and says that he refuses to play admiral thrawn (laughs) in any sort of live action adaptation of clone wars i haven't seen it have you gotten far enough to get introduced to this admiral thrawn guy i have not yet i like i said i kind of have dropped the ball i've watched like those first like eight or nine episodes and i've kind of just you know put it on the back burner um not that it was bad, but uh, I definitely want to get back into it for sure. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, Cumby like not taking any like flat. Like he's no holds barred. You know, he was not. Yeah, he's like I, I am one hundred percent not interested. It's it's I <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I read it. I'm like most actors or actresses just kind of play coy and like oh like that'd be fun if it happened and then like right. behind closed doors you say like no i don't want to do that absolutely not exactly so to see, yeah to see him like come out and vehemently like deny any chance of anything like that like, casting by the fans um pretty funny like would he God, is he is that character's did he ever die on film in any of the movies or oh, anything jesus you're asking the wrong guy. I, I'm not super up on all the Star Wars reading animated stuff, maybe so I have no idea. He could appear like in the Mandalorian or something. Would be a place Ooh. that he could do if that's we obviously he's denied that now. But I think like some of the fans were saying like it'd be cool to see him show up in that. But like you said, he he seems to have no interest <laughs> in that role whatsoever. Uh, right, and obviously they could cast somebody else, so maybe this character still right. makes its way into Mandalorian, um, but it's not going to be Cumby. No, no, it's not. <laughs> okay, we got two kind of related pieces here. HBO Max plans to launch an ad-supported tier for their service. I'm not clear whether it's going to be free with ads or like just a lower payment with ads. Uh, but the one thing you're not going to get is the theatrical releases that are coming out, say, monthly from here on through the end of the year. Gotcha. So, I don't know. I, I'm very content and happy to pay my $15 a month because I think HBO Max may be the best streaming service out there in right. terms of library. So, this it's happening but i don't know i'm one i i think it's mostly to get people in the door and then you'll i bet there's a big banner at the top every single month something comes out it's like watch wonder woman 84 it's not as bad as people say it is <laughs> but it is <laughs> right um yeah i don't the know the other piece is oh go ahead uh, i was just gonna just quickly like as long as they don't like do some sort of like bullshit where they like kick up the price you know, by like a couple dollars and then they like basically like split it in half from there and like, you know, offer you the cheaper version with ads, you know, something like that. I, I don't know. It'd be, that would be interesting to see if they did something like that. But I agree, like $15 for the content they can provide at the moment. Yeah, I think it's probably worth it for sure. Yeah. And to get those theatrical releases, right. I'm 100% down for that. But so the related piece of news, just because it's also HBO Max, there was apparently a thing over this past weekend that you were the one who informed me of. <laughs> Some people tried to sit down to watch Tom and Jerry, but the app served them Justice League Snyder Cut on accident. They watched some of it, but then, from what I understand, most people got cut off. Right. They were, as soon as they kind of got the reports that were happening, I guess they jumped on it pretty quick. And within, like, minutes, it was, you know, at least shut down. Um, yeah, I texted Jim this, like, what was it, on Monday after I we think recorded? so. It was very shortly after we yeah, recorded. Yeah, so we record, we record on Sunday, and it was, like, the next morning. <laughs> I was, like, just browsing, you know, Facebook and stuff and saw some news articles pop up. And, yeah, people sat down to watch Tom and Jerry, a nice family movie we reviewed. Not the greatest <laughs> film <laughs> by any means. And they got to watch part of the new Justice League Snyder Cut. Jim, what would you have done if we would have <laughs> had that happen to us? You want to know what I wouldn't have done? 
I wouldn't have fucking put it on Facebook or Twitter and ruined it for everybody. Yeah. Like, let the app be broken and keep your mouth shut when you get to see a movie early. I was, that was the thing that kept going through my mind is I'm like, what idiot was 10 minutes in, saw the title card and then posted it on the internet? Like, what are you doing? Right. Watch the four hour movie first. I know how excited pretty much all of us are to kind of get our hands on that that new justice league movie so yeah i i feel like i had to tell jim like you know instead of tom and jerry we could have got an early access look at justice league and i i was like (laughs) i just thought it was hilarious that we just had reviewed the movie and people were getting that glitch oh man i think i think i probably would have called you guys but i wouldn't have told anybody else right i also would not have like touched the remote like no adjusting the volume like anything you don't want to mess it up you know (laughs) let it play for the next four hours (laughs) yeah because that actually is coming out on thursday this week oh snyder cut is so the 18th um and then i think the next one is uh godzilla versus kong i think that's the final friday yeah of february that's the 25th so it's a week from friday i believe a week from thursday excuse me right i might go see that movie in theaters honestly i feel like if there's a movie you're gonna see on like imax or something yeah that'd probably be the one i know it it just looks like an absolute banger of just monsters beating it like i've heard reports that there's like multiple like over 10 minute like fight scenes between the two of them right right i'm there for it sounds epic (laughs) just watch the lizard and the monkey go at it absolutely all right, we got one more piece here that, I'll be honest, I really have do not know what this is, Jim. You don't know who the Bee Gees are? Oh, I am I culturally uncultured swine right now? I, I bet mean, if I had they, some they sort do of... staying alive, don't they? I think. Oh, like a band? God, I'm yeah. S- the people Bee Gees. are gonna tear me apart. <laughs> I so, bet if I heard apparently them. Kenneth Branagh has been has signed on to direct a Bee Gees biopic. Uh, because if there's one thing that's going to be successful and it's not a reboot of something else, it is a music or band biopic movie. So could be good, could be fun. I like their music. You know, disco's fun. Yeah, absolutely. God, yeah, I'm an idiot. Staying alive, obviously. <laughs> Sheepers. Yeah, pardon me, people. I I haven't had any coffee yet this morning, and I'm not saying that would have helped me, but it definitely won't hurt um but yeah no i if it's anything like you know did you ever get a chance to see the um ooh, the elton john one rocket man yeah fucking love rocket that's man. a good one and obviously um uh bohemian rhapsody was good i don't know if you had did you see that one too i'll land on fine, fine. but yeah i did see yeah. that one too. so like the last couple you know musical biopics i think have been pretty good um so if they're anything weren't they like, gonna do a bowie one too oh, david bowie know. that'd be a good one too actually i'd be down for yeah that. i mean he he from what i understand had an interesting life and fucking great music right. i think they should make more of them in the vein of rocket man where the music is telling the story as opposed to them just performing the music like they did in bohemian rhapsody yeah um yeah and i mean call it a mama mia movie then or something like that right but i think that rocket man was w- way way better way better um just because of the way it worked the music in how it told uh elton john's experiences like that was amazing and that was the best part about it yeah that was that was a really good movie you can't 
really deny it. Well, and and the thing is, is like it's both of those, you know, Elton John and and uh, Queen for those two movies. Like they have so many. Like it gets to the point where you obviously know the the main songs, but then like there's songs that you've heard a thousand times too that you like don't realize like they sang as well, and it's like God, they just had so many hits, and it's so cool to see them like on film then or like how how they came about. And I think you're right. I think Elton John, the Rocket Man, definitely did a better job of like you know showing that process for sure. Um, and yeah. Taron Edgerton was fucking electric oh, he was in so that movie. Good. He was so good. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that one probably did a little better job actually telling the story. Um, but both of them I liked, I enjoyed. So yeah, I, God, I'm so dumb. I'll never be able to, <laughs> if my, my mom will like listen to this and literally ridicule me for like not knowing who the, who that was from the start. Oh man, you're going to uh, get written out of the will. That's the way this is going to go. I know. I'm sorry, mom. I apologize. All right. Well, I guess before we get going here, is there anything else we had before we jump right in? No, I don't think so. I think we're ready to review a movie. Ready to I review. mean, that's that's what we're here for. The news is extra. I don't know why we do it ahead of the <laughs> review, but that's what we do. That's what we do. Now, for the moment everyone's been waiting for, um, Blade came out in 1998. Jim, why don't you let us know what this movie is about? Already, so a half-vampire, half-mortal man becomes a protector of the mortal race while slaying evil vampires. It was directed by Stephen Norrington, written by David S. Goyer, starring Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dorff, and Chris Christopherson. So this was also produced by Wesley Snipes, so it seems as though he had an attachment to the character that I didn't necessarily know about. Um, And I did double-check... Mahershala Ali is set to play Blade in the MCU version of this movie because Blade is a Marvel character. Um, but that the new one has been confirmed it's not going to be rated R, which this one definitely is. Definitely was. All right. So, yeah. So, a new movie. Interesting. Um, like we said, I mean, not rated R. This movie definitely is. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about many of the instances of that coming forward. But... With no further ado, um, I'll pass this one off to you, Jim, and we'll kind of just tag team this bitch as we go through. <laughs> yeah, so so we start out um, in a hospital in 1967. There's a little title card that tells you the year. There's a woman who gets rushed in on a gurney. She's very clearly pregnant and very clearly has been bitten by a vampire. Um, she dies, but doctors pull her uh, child from her and he is alive. Right. He or she, not 100% sure. Excuse me. <laughs> Given so much away. You never know. Um, yeah. So this movie loves to like time lapse, like weather and the sun going up and down, seeing as like the very thematic for what we're talking about here with the vampires. Uh, but so that was the credits, opening credits. In yeah. my mind, a movie that has like opening credits that are longer than like a minute or two can never be a perfect 10 yeah does that you don't like that huh no i don't get what did you, show me the movie well i don't know it's definitely, it's definitely not a perfect 10 what did you what do you think about the like original x-men where we get like that little magneto opening scene where he's like a kid and, and like that old concentration camp or something that one's not so bad that's not opening credits though oh it's not like I thought that was well, at the it, beginning. It's, of the... That's part of the movie. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Right. That's yeah. that's the difference. Like 
they're showing us a time lapse here of clouds and like the sun going down true that's not movie you know <laughs> true very and true call me call me like not a fair critic or something but i get so frustrated with that and i the biggest movies that frustrate me with it are the fucking james bond movies yeah but they always want to show off the bond song right right so you don't like that no i don't oh Show me the song at the end of the credits. I'll stick around for it. I know it's a thing James Bond does. Yeah. Also, though, now, if they change their formula, you know, then it's just not going to work. Those songs are always so great, though. But, it is, I mean, it is true. You already sat through the freaking... Like, if you go to the movie in theaters, specifically, you sat through all the trailers, which is fine. I The trailers are some of my favorite parts of the movie. But, like, when those are done, you're like, okay, I'm ready for this movie, and you have to sit through, like, a four-minute Adele song, which is awesome. It is a great song, but... I don't know. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll hear you out on that one, I guess. If you play that at the end, it doesn't really... But they want people to see it. They might well, they, it. they should have the song in the movie, too, right? Like, it, uh, other than maybe, like, the overall orchestral theme, like, is Skyfall even actually sung or, like, in the movie? Uh, I should be the one answering this question because I just watched it, but I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's... They mention Skyfall. It's, like, some... Some that's the part. name of the house that yes, they go to right but i don't know yeah as far as like it being you know part of the, the song being part of the the movie at all i don't think it is other than the the opening credits for sure right anyways tangent yeah. done <laughs> but i don't like opening credits fair enough <laughs> um, so we move to now there's a woman like in a car with a man both unnamed and unimportant but she is leading him to a dance club inside of a meat processing facility it seems there's cows hanging from hooks and what appears to be maybe some people hanging from hooks um and then they get into the club and like some people are moving maybe just a little faster than normal people should yeah it's it's tough it's tough to tell i wish you know you can tell by the way they kind of shoot it but i almost wish like they would have given you like perspective from like at least some of the the hundred percent human characters like on how they saw the people moving i guess as he's kind of being led through the crowd and they're they're bumping into him and like moving quickly like he kind of looks a little delirious i suppose um Mm -hmm. i don't know but almost like a first person's perspective like to see how much faster you know they kind of didn't it was kind of difficult to tell if they were really moving that much faster than like people could tell you know i've you've seen it done better in 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 other movies for sure but it was done better in fucking twilight of all things (laughs) that's true um i want to say one thing about this nightclub they get into that Mm -hmm. like big open space and like the guy just doesn't i can see it there's like hooks and everything like hanging all the way around the wall it's like still just part of the meat locker and this guy is just like down to ride still for the most part i'd be just freaked out already i i would absolutely not be doing this like i i recognize like going to some underground cool club hipster fun awesome you know but in a fucking meat locker no <laughs> no way i've seen enough movies to know that's a good or a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> absolutely oh man so yeah like, so go ahead oh go ahead no no go i was just gonna say yeah so then we like get to the point where she like abandons him in the crowd um and he's kind of starts looking around he finds her dancing with this other girl uh and they kind of push him away so he's just like pretty pissed off at this point he finally looks like he actually wants to leave I don't know why it took him so long, you know, like, yeah, I don't, I, it, it doesn't make sense because like, 
I mean, normally when I go into a bar or a club, the first thing I look for is the bar. Um, right. And there's not one here. So it's like, you know, so what am I just going to listen to loud music and not talk to anybody? This Dance is exciting. Exactly. Um, but so he eventually sees that there is a drop of blood that is dropped from the ceiling onto his hand. He looks up, and of course the sprinkler system goes off at this moment and is rigged to spray blood on everybody. Seems to be that he is the only human there. Everyone else is a vampire. Right. And from, like, the next, like, you know, 30 seconds until, like, the big action scene, like, he's kind of just, like, being pushed around. You know, he's getting, like, snarled at, like, in in vampire, I should say. Like, they're (laughs) showing their teeth off, and they're just kind of, like, basking in this, you know, stream of blood that's just pouring in from the ceiling. And, like, I don't know. He... I just, it seems like, are they just going to, like, let him get away, you know? Because did this girl lead him here for all of them, or did she have a specific plan for him in general? Like, it was, it's just odd that there wasn't, like, maybe more humans in there, and, like... Yeah, I felt that was odd, too. You know? Like, when this sprinkler goes off, then it would, like, lead to, like, some sort of, like, quote-unquote feeding frenzy amongst, like, the humans that were brought in. But, yeah, he seems to be the only one there, which just seems odd to me. Well, and it's like they clearly are not, like, hurting for food because they're spraying blood all over each other, when normally that would be something that I would think would not be wasted. Right, you know? exactly. They seem to be have no shortage of their, of their supply, that's for sure. <laughs> right. But so Blade now is just there. Um, <laughs> the, this random dude gets kicked across the floor by the vampires and ends up at Blade's feet, played by Wesley Snipes. Um and there's some whispering and they reference that he is a day walker so that seems pretty on the nose he must be able to go out in the sun um but so he whips out a shotgun and starts blowing people away the biggest most important thing about him shooting them is the fact that the disintegration animation is garbage it is so bad it's it's they turn like gray and orange and (laughs) it didn't look good hasn't aged well there's a specific scene (laughs) to towards the end of the movie when when the quote-unquote souls of those people along the yeah. the rim of that rock start that the cgi on this did not age well what did age well honestly in my opinion is like wesley snipes is like an action hero like i would be down for more of that to be honest he's got some really like good but good because they're bad quips right right and so like that's kind of fun his dialogue not so much i'll give you that but like there's like a couple times like in this scene specifically when he starts just like shooting him with shotguns and like just his like you know karate or is like some sort of martial arts that he uses um he -hmm. just pops like a couple like quick like smirks or smiles did you ever notice that where he just like randomly yeah he's having a good time yeah he's just hamming it up as he's just kicking some vampire ass i don't know i loved it it was cool yeah i mean the action is probably the best parts of this movie i think because uh as we go on the plot is not super there um but so blade eventually fights them down to one or two of them left there's the leader of this group of vampires named quinn um and he lights him on fire uh, before the cops show up and Blade, you know, Batman disappears, leaving the human guy who he did save um, laying in the middle of this, like, sunken room or, like, pool. That's where like he a, yeah, lit, like went on fire. like a shower area or something, to be honest. Or like a sauna, yeah. right? Like at a cheap gym. Which, again, <laughs> why is there a sauna then at a meat locker? 
I, and I have no idea. Um, as he lights Quinn on fire, he says, give my regards to Frost. So there's some other character that we're going to get introduced to. Uh, the cops come in to put out the man that's on fire and they are in no hurry whatsoever. Um, I don't know. It, it seems that that comes up maybe just the slightest bit later, but it's never really truly played out to um, the yeah. end of its possibilities. I mean, we can touch on it here a little bit because like you said, they don't really... It just basically gets informed to you a couple times throughout the movie that the cops are essentially being paid off by the vampires. By vampires. Right. Yeah. Right. And again, it's a throwaway line that we'll talk about and we may as well just talk about it now apparently the humans and the vampires have some sort of treaty no idea what the ramifications of that are because they don't talk about it right (laughs) and maybe you know if the comics if you had any sort of comic knowledge maybe it would have helped when this movie yeah and i have none when it comes to this character me neither so who knows maybe we're just being assholes jim it won't be the first Maybe. time. Yeah. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. Just lump me in with you. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. It, it's a fact. It's a fact. Um, so the next scene, we're at uh, the medical examiner's office, and we get introduced to Karen, who is played by Nabush Wright. Um, she is a scientist. And then also there is Curtis Webb, played by Tim Gwynney. Uh, he is the actual medical examiner. They bring in uh, the cooked up vampire who then jumps up and starts eating the M.E. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. It, it, oh, my gosh. It, the skin suit, the like charred skin suit looks so incredibly bad. Right. Um, Blade comes in, cuts Quinn's arm off. Um and then the cops come in and start shooting at Blade, of all people, other yeah. than the guy that's standing around that's apparently not dead. Is this the line? Is this the part in the movie where he drops the line, like, he looks at the cop because he starts shooting at him, he, like, hits him in the armor, and he's like, what in the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, because I think uh, Blade shows up. He says he's here to finish what he started with Quinn. But my question is, too, is, like, as Quinn's laying there, like, charred, you know, dead, essentially, but not, apparently, why wait till they start, like, cutting his chest open to, like, make your reveal that you're still alive and, like, try to escape? Like, I feel like I would prefer to not just start with my chest being cut open, essentially. But he has his limbs cut off multiple times in this movie, so he must not care too much about getting you know right and and i guess with like he got lit on fire right so maybe he quote unquote kind of died or was so hurt that he couldn't move or something and it took a second to regenerate true i'd be willing to get on that train as to why he didn't pop up right away um but i don't know it's the scene is not very great on the whole right uh to end the scene blade takes this uh, takes Karen, grabs her by like the shirt, and throws her through a window across the street, and she lands on a tarp, dislocating her shoulder. He then jumps out after her, and uh, slams her shoulder back into its socket before they make their escape. An odd like detail that like comes full circle, I guess you could say later on in the movie. But it's like, why does why does him like being able to like re separate her shoulder into place or something like that's like some sort of like character trait that she like 
uses then to like show they come for full circle it's just an odd choice of like something to bring back around to like show her appreciation i don't know it's weird but she was bitten by quinn now so he's kind of like trying to save her as he throws her out of the the hospital window like across the across the street on top of another like three-story building but yeah it, it i don't know it, it's an aggressive throw and he <laughs> makes it but i mean you have to think like let's say she truly was human i don't think you survived that throw. right right and he should know that obviously he just saw her get bit so like for him it's no thing as we see he like leaps across the street effortlessly um mm-hmm. but yeah you have to think like you know she's not gonna be as durable as he is you know yeah, at least not at this point, because what we find out here is they show up at a warehouse and are introduced to a guy named Whistler. He is a human companion of Blades, who is played by Chris Christopherson, makes Blades weapons and helps him in his fight against the vampires. He grabs um, the the woman, Karen, and injects her in the neck with garlic and smoke starts coming out of her bite mark. I actually thought this was a little bit neat, like of something to try that I hadn't necessarily seen in a movie before where they literally inject you with essence of garlic or whatever. Um, and apparently there's like only a 50, 50 shot. She'll survive. And if she does survive, it's questionable whether or not she will be a vampire. Um, the entire process of turning into a vampire in this movie is played pretty loosely. Yeah. It seems pretty arbitrary, like how long it takes for, you know, some people or, you know, like, they never really tell you. Um, I think he said it It may take, like, the night or something. You know, we'll know by morning is basically the only sort of, like, timeline right. timeline we get. Um, but, yeah, like, to touch on, like, the essence of garlic, like, the whole lore of, like, the vampires and their weaknesses in this is pretty interesting. I like I like how they throw away certain things like holy water and crosses. You know, that they're like, that's bullshit. That's just for the stories. But he's like... They actually are, you know, allergic to silver and, you know, garlic and that sort of thing. And, like, to use it as, like, a cure for, like, a bite. Yeah, I'll agree. I've never seen something like that before. I thought that was at least pretty cool. And, like, the smoke coming out of the wound was was a neat touch, you know. Right. And it wasn't, like, CG or anything. So it, like, actually looked kind of good. Right. Um, One of the so few when the, when the effects look good, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh. Alrighty, so it, when you have a vampire movie, it seems to be a prerequisite that you have a council of really old vampires that one younger vampire just wants to upset the balance of. So we go to a vampire council meeting, and Deacon Frost, who is played by Stephen Dorff, comes in. And um, so all of the vampires on the council are what are called pure blood vampires. Apparently, the vampires can get together and produce a child who will be a vampire. Whereas Deacon Frost is a person who was turned, right? So he was a made vampire. And there's this pure blood class versus these made vampires. And so there's a hierarchy in this society. Deacon wants to come out and says that he wants to rule all of the humans. They're cows to us. They are food. Um, but they they basically move on to other business and ignore him. Yeah. uh because they don't they don't respect him they say he's a disgrace to the vampire society right they're pissed off because he was the one running like you know the nightclub we saw in the beginning and we we find out in this scene too that he has like multiple other like nightclubs for for vampires um but yeah they're basically just pissed off because he's kind of like drawing some 
unwanted attention you know and specifically from blade i think is their main concern you know someone who's Mm -hmm. actually you know vehemently hunting them um so to kind of like you know come out and basically sound the alarm you know there's a ton of vampires here you know maybe not prepared for a fight you know they're probably pretty angry about that but like one of my questions in like movies like these all the time is like this uh so deacon frost played by dorf um you know he's he wants to like yeah kind of upset the natural order that they have and kind of just rule physically over the humans it's like i i agree that they're probably genetically superior in some cases other than not being able to go out in sunlight but like you gotta be able to like i would think have some sort of you know agreement because what happens when all the humans are gone you have like no food then you know that's yeah, like we'll always, come across that later. Right, right. That's always like the biggest question that pops up to me, at least in like movies like this, when one guy wants to like eradicate, you know, or at least be, you know, ruler over the humans. But like, that's like for vampires, you need them to survive in a way. So yeah, I don't know. Right. And that's always kind of been a little bit of the question in the underworld movies that I don't think they talk about too much. It's like the vampires are kind of the ruling class there. Um, like what Deacon wants here. And like, there are still humans out there that I guess I wonder if they like keep them and farm them kind of like in pods, like in the matrix or something, but who knows? I'd, I'd pay to see that movie though. Yeah, for sure. Um, we get a super quick scene. Blade pops into like a, how to describe it. Like Like, like an herbal drug shop or sort of thing. Yes. I'd say, right? That's an apt description. Yeah. Um, And he's picking up some serum from a guy there. People are not introduced to who the guy is. um, And he pays with wristwatches. (laughs) Um, Fist bumps the guy. The guy says he's building up a resistance to the serum. We don't know what it does. Um, And then end of that scene. Right. That was... You know, it was just a quick scene, but I think, like, it shows that he has a few friends who seem to, like, be in. Because at this point, like, Karen, I don't know if we, maybe we're getting to that. She doesn't really know so much about the vampires. But at least now we've seen that he has Whistler and then this guy, obviously, who must know something, who developed this serum for him. And I... We do not know what it does yet, right? Correct? No, it hasn't okay. been introduced. Yeah. So we'll um, and there's a little bit of a plot hole here, too. So, like, in, in a few minutes, they're going to introduce the fact that Whistler and Blade move from city to city following the vampires because the vampires will relocate. So how does he build a relationship with this guy who is willing to accept payment in wristwatches um, in every city and just happens to find these, like, herbal marketplaces right. um, where he can buy what he needs? So, I mean, that to me was a little bit like he wouldn't have they wouldn't put down roots like this to establish this is where I, you know, do my grocery shopping. Exactly. Yep. Um, so we're now back at the warehouse with Blade Whistler and Karen. Karen wakes up in Blade's room and finds uh, his mother's driver's license as well as a workshop with all kinds of guns and a special sword. She touches the sword and a little mechanical cog starts whirring. Um, and all of a sudden, out of the handle pops four little blades. So if she had been holding it, she'd lose all of her fingers and, in essence, lose her hand. I got real, and it's funny, we were just talking about Skyfall. Um, this gave me, like, real, like, because doesn't he have a gun? James Bond has a gun in that 
that they that like Q develops for him that is it's got his hand sensitive to it. his handprint. I was like, that's so cool. Like weapons always interest me, even in shitty like CGI freaking action movies. Like the the just like the different kinds of weapons that they seem to come up with in these types of movies. I, that's like what always interests me. Like a sweet blade that just basically works to him only until the right. end somehow eventually, which we never really I think... understand, but. I think the coolest thing is uh, when it comes to the James Bond example, like even the worst James Bond movie in the world can probably still get a five out of me if they just have some wacky gadgets. Right. Yeah. Or Pierce Brosnan like driving a tank down Main Street. (laughs) Or an invisible car. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sadly, they got away from that with the Craig movies, but came back a little bit when they introduced Q. Yeah. Anyways, second tangent finished. (laughs) Um, so, uh, Jesus, where were we? Okay, so she, she almost loses her hand on the sword. Apparently she's a hematologist, which is a blood doctor. Um, and Whistler is thinking that she may be helpful for what, um, what they're working on. So they, uh, she sees the two of them, she's sneaking around and then runs away into the rest of the, uh, the warehouse. But Blade and Whistler chase her down and kind of explain what the deal is. Right. Um, Blade says that someone's going to take her out because she's been exposed to the vampires and knows that they exist. So Whistler gives her some vampire mace, which apparently is silver nitrate mixed with essence of garlic. <laughs> I, I really have no problem with this. Like, no. it's it's funny, but like, I, I think this is perfect. Right. And it, I like how simple it is. Like, you know, it's nothing too outrageous. Like everything we've ever been taught about vampires is that they hate garlic and silver. So like for them to just develop uh, some sort of mace to use in the fight against vampires, I'm down for it. Right. It, it makes sense. And <laughs> yeah. like, that's kind of, kind of the coolest thing. It's just kind of the, I don't know. Why is it still funny? Even though it makes <laughs> sense. It is, I don't get it's it. Vampire mace. Like, <laughs> it's it is it's ridiculous but like at the same time it's it's plausible based on you know things we based on the legend know. right yeah yeah oh gosh <laughs> it's those moments that make this movie fun yeah right? and i, I mean, agree it, it was great <laughs> um whistler also says that uh she should buy herself a gun and if she gets sensitive to sun or is continuing to be thirsty no matter how much she's drank that she should shoot herself in the head right i do think they did a good reasons right i think they did a good job of kind of explaining you know maybe more than like other um vampire movies like what it means or what it feels like to be a vampire or like the like the thirst quote unquote because you know we know vampires need or like like blood need blood feed on blood but it's like I like how they described it here, like how she, no matter how much you drank, it's like a never ending, like thirst. I just thought that was like a cool little like description of kind of like what it would feel like if you tried to like resist or as you become a vampire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a a really good line actually. Um, From here, we flash to a scene of some sort of archive or data bank, uh, lots of red blinky lights on what appear to be computer servers um and then deacon is in oh go ahead oh yeah well yeah deacon's sitting there kind of like looking up these old archives of like the vampire lore and forgive me i do not remember what like the head vampire guy's name the pure blood that comes in and 
you know, but one of the purebloods that we met at the round table earlier in the movie, um, comes in and tries to like ask him what he's doing. And he's like, there's no sense in trying to decode those. Um, you know, they can't be read. It can't be translated. Right. And Deacon's kind of just like, from what I can tell, downloading them onto some sort of file at this point, or is he trying to translate them right now? Maybe. I think the translation is like running. Right. It's, it looks like I don't Tetris know, the moment on the yeah. screen to be honest it's like grabbing squares of little like parchments of like old transcript and like you know zooming in on it and trying to like translate it but it literally looks like tetris on like a 15 inch freaking monitor <laughs> see now to me the moment someone ever says in a movie that something is impossible or can't be done it's a guarantee it's that it's immediately gonna, get done. gonna be done 100 <laughs> percent. yeah so he kind of just tells that guy to like which is weird because he's like a pureblood and i feel like he should have some more authority or like maybe some form of like muscle with him like this scene was weird showing up on his own right and deacon basically just like scares him off you know it just it was kind of like a bitch move by like this quote-unquote like pureblood who seemed in the last scene like the head of the table you know it was weird after this and what is maybe the worst movie slap in ever in history um from the uh leader of the council on deacon we go out to an alley or street outside of um karen's apartment blade drops her off and says uh keep your eyes open they're everywhere even though it's the middle of the day right um she goes in, in <clears throat> excuse me goes into her apartment and is immediately being followed by some unseemly looking people when she gets up to her floor though they're not behind her anymore so no big deal. She goes into her apartment and immediately packs a bag before a cop is suddenly behind her. I, like I said, I had seen this movie before, but it had, it's been a while. But like this, like totally just like, well, I'm pretty sure when she came in, she shut the door and she's packing this bag. And all of a sudden this cop just walks into her apartment and just says, oh, the door was open. But at least he brings up you know, something that would be somewhat believable because she had just gone missing from her job, you know, essentially kidnapped by a guy at the time. And, you know, he says he's he's there to, like, check up on her or see if she's there because she's been missing from work. Um, and apparently she didn't lock the door behind her is yeah. what he says. So that's how he got in, which you just got bit by a vampire and you're not locking doors. And, that, and you just saw two weird people in the hallway and you're being warned, you know? I... Let's question. I lock up my house even when I'm home. Right. Questionable decision on Karen's part for sure. But um But yeah, she she starts talking and then it kind of I'm not sure how he reveals himself. He kind of like starts talking about something and then he goes, "And then you're going to be dead too." Or something and like pulls out a gun Yeah, on he's her. like, "You're dead too, bitch." <laughs> yeah. So then and she, so she maces him. Yes, the vampire And it doesn't mace. fucking work cuz he's a human. <laughs> Which is hilarious because he's like He's like, whoa, what is that, garlic <laughs> or something? And she's like, it's vampire mace. They told me it would work on vampires or something like that. I'm like, okay, this, like, the cheesy, you know, pickup or quote from, like, the, the, the line that is given to you with the mace is, like, ugh, terrible. But, yeah, Blade shows up to save the day. <laughs> right. So, it turns out that this guy is what's called a familiar. He works for the vampires and wants to be a vampire um and that his master may turn him if he's loyal enough blade then shows her that there is a tattoo like in the middle of the back of his neck 
that indicates who quote-unquote owns him um she's pissed because she was used as bait but that never really goes anywhere either no i think yeah it just turns out that he was just waiting for somebody to probably pick her up or at least go after and then he was gonna use them as some sort of interrogation or bargaining point i would assume which we eventually find out they just go out to his car and he's like carrying blood samples (laughs) samples <laughs> so yeah he's got like a cooler full of blood in his trunk that he's taking over to other vampires um he, he's kind of beaten blade is beating up the cop trying to get information out of him but karen stops him and then the cop fucking gets away runs away can we talk about quickly not to just digress how oblivious everybody on like the streets are in these movie in this movie in particular like, oh yeah, we he they're in broad daylight. There's people in the background constantly, and he's slamming like a, as far as anyone else would know, a cop. He's in a cop uniform, and he's just slamming this cop's head around on this on the back of the police car, and no one seems to care. <laughs> like they don't know at all what's going on. And then he just whips his gun out to try to shoot him as he's running away, and the people kind of like diverge out of the way for a second and scream, but then like. As soon as he puts the gun back down, they kind of just merge back together and start walking down the sidewalk again. Right, right. It's <laughs> it's strange that there's no reaction whatsoever. But granted, it would have distracted from the scene if there if it were right. a relatively big reaction. Um, so they go back and they sit in Blade's car um, and wait for the cop to come back. Yeah. So he comes back and then they follow. And what is maybe the weirdest like time lapse? car chase i've ever seen it's both super framey and also clearly that the footage was accelerated in order to make it appear that they're going faster than they are right and it didn't work it didn't work because i didn't understand then was it a physical because i don't think the guy knows he's being followed no i don't think he does choose to film it like it's some sort of high speed you know chase scene as they're like exactly yeah i don't it was just too glitchy and like quite honestly just did not make any sense it added more confusion because it made it seem like he was chasing after him to try to catch up to him but at the same time i think he was just following him because he didn't know you know yeah they were just trying to figure out where he was taking the blood right exactly yeah the dumb Right, so they they pull up at another club, of course, so we have to assume that Deacon Frost is involved, right, because he owns these uh, nightclubs. Um, There's a guy at the front door, and Blade literally throws him through the door and into the club and gives uh, Karen a gun. The bullets are made of silver and filled with garlic inside. (laughs) And I mean, again, it shouldn't be funny because it's what makes sense, but it is funny. Right, and I get, like, the only thing that I would find funny is how, like, much they're, like, overdoing it or they feel they feel the need to state it every time they like bring something onto screen silver and garlic silver and garlic (laughs) right right i think by this time we would assume that the bullets are probably made of silver at least i didn't need to know that there was also garlic in infused (laughs) in the inside (laughs) right right so blade spots the cop inside and chases him through the club and into um what am i trying to say into the kitchen of the club yeah that's what i'm going for thanks (laughs) you got it (laughs) um he beats the cop up some more asking where the entrance is to the vampire safe house because apparently there was a sign outside that indicated that it was a vampire safe house like a red neon sign yeah i like how Um, he like pulls like a jason Bourne 
from the outside and like calls out which ones are vampires you know he's like the two bouncers in the front they're vampires the guy on the corner is a vampire he's like the whore down the street is a vampire yeah. and she's like how do you know by the way they move and smell or something <laughs> like that like okay i'll take your word for it i guess right and there's another really good quote here and by good i mean terrible um He's beaten up the cop and finally is going to be done with him. And he says, you give Frost a message for me. It's open season on suckheads. <laughs> I did love that. I wrote, I noticed that one too. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. It's, you get your typical, like, you're so used to, like, Arnold one-liners and stuff. But that was, that one was definitely glorious in all of the wrong reasons. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it made me laugh so hard. I loved it. Um. So they enter what appears to be the same databank we saw before. All the red blinky lights and servers are there again. Um, and that is entered through the refrigerator in the kitchen and is underneath the um, the club. Yep. So Blade flips the lights on and he's talking with Karen and he says that the vampires have infiltrated everything from politics, finance, uh, even real estate, like half of downtown of whatever unnamed city this is, is owned by vampires. It looks just like a big giant, um, open like warehouse then below with like malt, like what you can tell looks like maybe like hundreds of just like big servers. You know, I don't even know what they're like doing i mean it's like data mining something maybe but i don't know what there'd be unless it's just storage for their you know history or something you know what like what they tried to explain in the beginning or in the earlier in the movie but yeah right and so it appears that they keep these digital records but what we'll see in a moment is they also have what's called the book of erebus which is the vampire bible is how blade describes it and they have these literally (laughs) literal scrolls hanging in glass cases so it's like they even though they have these computer backups of all kinds of stuff they're keeping paper anyways but this maybe seems more like a display item yeah than anything else um so we get a quick flash out to a penthouse where deacon is partying or people are partying in deacon's penthouse but he's off in his room uh he's got a fancy coffin that's on like a forklift sort of thing so it lifts up and opens to reveal his bed and there's a woman in the bed but deacon is sitting at his computer uh as it's revealed that the scroll has finished translating as we predicted yeah and like i don't know do we even ever was this just then the ritual is that what he just discovered basically then right okay not to jump ahead, but I just I I was still confused on to really what he was trying to figure out anyway. Obviously, until you see at the end. You know. Well, we're gonna find out right now because now we're back in the data bank or the library with um, Blade Karen, and they come across this huge marshmallow of a vampire named Pearl. Um, so Pearl reveals that there's a ceremony. Uh, where the twelve, the spirits of twelve vampires or pure blood vampires will awaken the blood god, also called Lamagra. Um, Karen has a UV light that Whistler gave them previously, like uh, what it, it's almost like one of those really old timey flashlights where it's got the huge box on it, right? Yep, and the um, handle on and, the top. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like like for going in a a cave or a mine or something. Right. Um, but it shoots UV light. So Karen fries Pearl a little bit because uh, he's he or she, 
Unclear. I, I, Pearl would would was you'd think would be a female, but then like I swear, as Pearl was like FaceTiming um, Deacon, I swear he called him he. Then Deacon called him. I. It's unclear. Really? Yeah, it beats the hell out of me. <laughs> but the the reason we say this is because you can't tell because yeah. it's just this big blob it, of flesh is what Pearl is. I had to explain uh, it. It looks like something from total recall the original yeah like like that weird body horror like type over the top like nasty googly freaking yeah not good right so now um karen fries pearl a little bit and they continue frying him so he's basically a burnt marshmallow (laughs) um this is when they finally discover the complete history of the vampires in the book of erebus um and there's someone running in and amongst these display cases come to find um it's a kid and she starts kicking the living shit out of blade yeah so like (laughs) he seems like kind of unimpressed he's not really giving much effort but yeah she like definitely just starts like you know jump kicking and like doing all sorts of like combat moves that no other person up to this point has been able to do against him which i thought was interesting because he's fought off like 30 people already at one time multiple times so far in the movie and this one like child like holds its own i was it was kind of weird yeah but at this point quinn shows up He's kind of regrowing his hand. It's <laughs> weird and gross and pink, but it's growing back. It's kind of like Deadpool um, when he's growing yeah, his a little legs bit. back. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's such a good scene. It is. Um, so a whole bunch of vampires very quickly overtake Blade and Karen, and they've got Blade with uh, like a garrote around his neck holding him up against a column. Quinn takes some silver stakes out of uh, Blade's belt and stabs him through the shoulders. Um, at which point, Blade starts to laugh and says that he's expecting company. Yes, and here we get like the most epic entrance of the movie. Um, Whistler, I don't know how he blew the wall in because then he eventually just has like a machine gun, so it's unclear really. But he kind of just blasts through the wall of the of the kind of the room they're sitting in with all of the scrolls of the book of Erebus and starts just opening fire on them. Um, to which then blade and Karen kind of sneak off through the hole. And I think they end up somewhere in like a, like a tunnel for the trains in a subway train, tunnel. Subway yeah. Tunnel, yeah. So it's like a little tight exit as they're kind of skirting along the walls. there, trying to leave. Right. And it appears that Whistler gets, like, hit by the train to some degree and is now no longer in the scene. Unclear. To which Blade, because Karen shows a little concern as he, like, kind of, like, gets knocked off. And Blade just goes, he can handle himself. Like, (laughs) he's not, like, half superhuman like you are. He's an old man, like, with cancer. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Just a little bit of, like, I guess faith in him. They've probably been through a lot, so I guess so. Yeah, it's it's strange. Right. Um but so uh Blade and Karen jump across the tracks after the train passes and Quinn jumps after them as well as a few other vampires. The only one who makes it across though is <laughs> Quinn because the other vampires are hit by a train. Drilled. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so we get like a kind of a quick 
like little fight scene between Quinn and and the two. It's not much if, from what I remember, honestly. It's it's nothing too special other than the fact that uh, Quinn grabs Blade's sword. Uh, Blade knocks it out of his hand and it falls down by Karen, who didn't quite make the jump. She's on the ground, um, like trying very hard not to lean into the train and lean up against like the concrete barrier, right? And she then stabs Quinn through the leg. And not once in this entire process did the little things come out and take off someone's hand. No. So it just seems like the thing like almost decides. I don't know if you have to flip or some maybe, maybe you have to grip it some way or something to activate the, the mechanism i don't know <laughs> but you would think that in reality you would want the mechanism to go off every time unless you grip it in the special way right right if it's mechanical so that only then blade knows how to grip it exactly and yeah so it doesn't quite make sense why it didn't happen in right. this scene right um so this is where we get quinn gets another arm chopped off i believe and then his face wrecked against the train for a little bit right right blade holds his face <laughs> yeah. against the train i i don't have in my notes that he loses his arm but it's entirely possible because Maybe. i know at some point he loses each one right right i can't remember if it was this before he did that or not it might be coming up later either way kind of a kind of an interesting you know thing because then quinn kind of runs off because he's been you know beaten again um and then we see like i cannot did you catch the name of like that blonde haired vampire no idea yeah this i don't know if they ever really say um but she seems to be like almost second in charge with deacon other than quinn maybe so she's coming in yeah she comes in with like a group of more vampires and here we get the full circle kind of separated shoulder incident um we kind of see like blade reach out as the train's going by and at the last second grabs like the last car door or something and yeah like a handle on it yeah and so with karen in hand scoops them up he like rips his shoulder out as he gets drug onto the train and then like they break in and kind of ride the train car and she puts his shoulder back into place because it's separated (laughs) from grabbing the train it's just absurd (laughs) right right so now they've each helped each other out with their dislocated shoulders um so then we move on to a scene that i just called whistler's fireside chat um it's a huge dialogue dump of like background he apparently found blade at 13 thought he was a vampire who was feeding on homeless people but then he went out in sunlight uh blade is resistant to silver garlic and sun has their speed and strength but ages faster than actual vampires and still has to drink blood the serum uh suppresses his need to drink blood um, but his body is beginning to reject it or build up a tolerance to it. Yeah, which, again, like, the lore kind of in this is cool. Like, that's an interesting, like, sort of um, thing that he has to deal with. Like, it'd be one thing, like, if he could just have, like, one serum that lasts him forever. I kind of like that it takes that approach where he, he has to constantly, you know, like, keep evolving or find a new serum to, like, you know... Up- suppress his thirst for lack of a better term right right and like one thing it seems that in movies when you get a fancy serum like this is that it constantly works all the time so like the idea of him building up some sort of resistance is cool um the thing is they don't do almost anything with it in this movie right they instead have a scene where he can't get it and so needs to drink yeah um rather than like him succumbing to the effects of not 
being able to resist his thirst. Right. Um, do, do, do. So him and Karen have a little bit of a spat here. Uh, they're hanging out in his bedroom of this warehouse. And she says that he looks human. And he says, humans don't drink blood. <laughs> yeah. um, and he's searching for whoever changed his mother. Right. It. I don't know. It's like, the, they, I don't, couldn't tell if they were like trying to sh- like create some sort of like love interest between these two or not in the whole movie. Because you never really get any sort of inclination but at the same time they they clearly have like grown towards each other in some way you know right yeah they're working together and she doesn't really seem to quite question uh working with him anymore um and for whatever reason like remember when we talked about how she was bitten and like may or may not change like she's still just walking around in the sun you know doing human things without too much of an issue right um so from here, uh, super quick flash to Deacon's place, and Quinn definitely lost another arm. You were right in that scene because uh, Quinn is getting blamed for all the issues here on losing Blade, and one of the female vampires bites his stump. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, and he's just like freaks out about it. He was he was some good, you know, comic relief. You know, like he was completely over the top, but. But I agree, his character definitely brought... He was kind of worthless, though. He's kind of a piss-poor fighter from what we've seen so far. For being like, He doesn't accomplish shit. Yeah, for being like the lead henchman. He, all he's done now is gotten two arms cut off and like his face half-grounded off and hasn't caught Blade yet. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so from here, Deacon and a woman are now making out in a car and she's putting white paste on his skin, which we can only assume is sunscreen. Right. Um, they drag one of the pure blood vampires from the council out onto a beach with a hood over his head, um, and he starts smoking before there's even any sunlight. I was a little annoyed by that because, like, <laughs> yeah. so they can't even take like ambient light. I thought that was a little bit silly because right. the sun wasn't even up. Um, so Deacon then rips off the dude's shirt. Um, the council member says, "You're never going to be a pure blood." Um, and Deacon then has, uh, Quinn pull out the guy's fangs. Right. I don't know if that's just some sort of like, um, calling card for when you like kill an elder or like, if you sort of like deface them, you know, it it must be some sort of like, you know, I can't think of the word like, uh, something where you would like show the ultimate form of like disrespect is by like removing like a vampire's fangs or something. It must, that's what i got out of it must be right i forget what movie or show it was in where they did that and basically the point is it's torture right because the person will be unable to eat however vampires cannot die so they have to suffer until their body like regenerates new fangs is the explanation and again this what i can't remember the name of the movie or show right right oh yeah that's dark that makes sense after they rip out the fangs, Quinn leans in and says, Sorry, old dog, you just got a little long in the tooth. It's <laughs> <Just> too bad. <laughs> yep. So that was, yeah. And then just to not be confused, that was like the quote unquote, like, head pure blood that questioned him when he was like translating the script. So now it's it's become official now that it looks like Deacon has kind of taken full control of the council now from this point. Yeah, or at least it's killed off their leader. Right. Um, so, 
that's kind of the end of this scene. We have another council meeting here where Deacon comes in, tosses the fangs on the table towards whoever the new leader is, and says he needs 12 volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> Unclear yet what his, his intentions are. Besides then, obviously, what we learned from the from the thing. So, like, right, it's at this point, does he want full control of the council? And now he's just eliminating it at this point, I think, is his intentions. Right. Well, and the end result of the ceremony is that they are eliminated, so they no longer exist. Um, But we'll find that out in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, So back at the warehouse, Blade gives Whistler a page from um, the Book of Erebus. This page just so happens to be able to be read by Whistler and also describes the (laughs) exact ceremony that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, out of these hundred, like, six-foot-long scrolls, they got the perfect piece. The perfect little, like, upper-left corner that happened to just have the right amount of text to kind of insinuate what was going to happen. Yeah, very, very, like, convenient. <laughs> right, and so Blade gives him that, and Whistler's like, well, I need more information, or I can't truly figure everything out. To which then Blade hands him a hard drive from right. the... uh from Pearl's, like, office or, like, that databank, right? Yep. And so it's like, why wouldn't you just hand him the fucking hard drive and say, hey, what's on here? Yeah, why did you need the paper scroll in the first place if you had everything digitally? Yeah. Or, like, put them both in one hand and or, hand them to him, you know? Like, give him all of the information well, at once. That takes away from the dramatic scene, Jim. I... Pff dramatic my ass um so karen apparently went and picked up some equipment from her lab um and is testing various uh chemicals on blade's blood and her blood to see maybe what will cure her because she's apparently in all this time only been thinking about a way to cure herself right and apparently this chemical sounds very made up edta is an anticoagulant of sorts and it makes vampire blood explode mm-hmm um <laughs> a, like a funny little scene she like tells blade to like look at it this and she's like look at it but stand back i swear yeah, she says so then he under just, a microscope like what do you expect right. so he puts his head to the microscope to look at how like the blood's reacting to this uh this new edt um thing and it just explodes the entire microscope like right in his face <laughs> right <laughs> okay the the only other notes I have for this scene is Whistler has a coughing fit. We've seen him smoking, and he reveals that he has cancer. And then now says to Karen, you'll change in a day or two. Yeah. So apparently the original prognosis was inaccurate. Right, because he, is this where he sees that she says she's like tired feeling? You don't look too good yeah. or something? Yeah. Like her diagnosis has just been like pushed back, I feel like three times now already. I don't really know. What? Well, yeah, it's convenient for the movie. Well, I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, so Blade then goes for a walk and finds Deacon in a park holding a little girl by uh, by an, by her neck. Um, yeah. There's some back and forth here that is pretty inconsequential. Deacon is offering a truce to Blade um, and... I don't know, Blade obviously doesn't agree. So eventually Deacon is about to kill this girl. Um, and Deacon then trash talks Blade's mother a bit and Blade tries to shoot him. Right. And again, like the 
just oblivious bystanders as Blade's just rifling rounds off in the middle of this park, like a crowded, you know, civilian area. Um, so yeah, like as Deacon runs away, he like throws the girl into like the middle of traffic. So Blade eventually does like give up on trying to shoot him and saves the girl and tells her to go home. Right. Right. So he does have a heart. Right. Um, A little bit. So now we're back at the warehouse. Blade hasn't come back yet. Um, and Whistler and Karen realize that there are some others in, um, in the area. And she also has discovered that some chemical, uh, may be able to fix her because vampires can't support hemoglobin. So there's a chemical that helps you support hemoglobin in your blood. Yeah. Yeah. Pseudoscience that supposedly is going to fix her. Yeah. It was a little lackluster. (laughs) Let's just say. Right. Right. So, um. Karen hits one of the vamp- the familiars that are coming in, and Whistler hits another. Um, finally, uh, Karen gets grabbed by this blonde vampire, who we don't know the name of, and Deacon shows up, still covered in um, sunscreen, right? Yeah. And it's Which, like, why... The one thing we... Oh, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. but it's just like, Deacon now was just at the park where Blade... And I get Blade got distracted and had to save the girl, so he probably couldn't see exactly where he was going, but like... You think he would just try to get back to your your place, you know? And Deacon seems to make it there in no time, you know, with the reinforcements. So it's it's a little it's a little like, you know, I think a little fault on on Blade at this point. Agreed. And the one thing that we we've talked about some ridiculous things, but the one thing we didn't talk about is how sunscreen just stops him That's from bursting true. into flames. <laughs> I didn't even. Yeah, we're talking about how cool but funny garlic silver bullets are but yet vampires can just put on spf 30 and walk around in the daylight like it's no big deal <laughs> I, I can't imagine what, how we could have not talked about that but it, it it's it's the icing on the cake of really the movie is. right <laughs> it really is but i mean that's like the sort of thing like a comic booky type thing would come up with don't you think like in a comic book like all oh, the vampires put sunscreen on or is it too dumb I don't know. I, I think that I think that's too dumb. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I, I think personally that comic books have only gotten better over the last twenty or so years, and I have not read a lot of '90s comics because yeah. I only started buying them in the mid to late two uh, thousands. Um, so, like any ones that I picked up, I picked up random ones on their own. Right. So they used to be tackier and used to be simpler stories. Now they're incredibly complex and tough to follow sometimes because of the pseudoscience that people like to put into them right but this seems unlikely to be in a comic book in my opinion (laughs) it's it it was definitely not the greatest plot point (laughs) i'll give you that right so they eventually just start um torturing whistler um blade finally comes back and finds a white sheet over what we can only assume is Whistler's body, and there's lots of blood on it. He pulls the sheet down, and there's a videotape there that says, Play me. Um, so not only were they, did they have enough time to torture Whistler uh, while Blade was out, but they also had time to make a home movie. Record a message. Before Blade came back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, what are you doing? You know, you gotta think, like, you've just denied Deacon his truce, you have to imagine like he's gonna try to like come at you then personally or something, you know? 
Right. And so all of a sudden, Whistler basically sits up. He's not dead. <laughs> um, and Whistler confirms that Frost is trying to trigger a fucking vampire apocalypse. Right. Everything we've uh-huh. discovered already. And we can see now Whistler was, I think he was bit. So Blade, they probably did that to make Blade have some sort of tough decision to make, I'm assuming, to hurt him personally. Yeah, Right. So Whistler wants to kill himself. Blade doesn't want him to, but it basically immediately caves and gives him a gun to shoot himself in the head. Right. Um, some quick scenes of uh, Blade forging silver bullets, putting some of that, I just called it after this point, explosion chemical <laughs> yeah. in some vials. Yeah. Um, and then he he prays for a little bit. I'm unclear of whether this is any real religion or if it's something for the movie or what it is. He then pulls a potted plant out of its pot and cuts the bottom off of it. That we've from... seen the movie like we haven't mentioned it yet, but the movie has flashed to this like plant like growing like a few times before this. So I don't know if what this is supposed to symbolize necessarily is him like essentially killing it like cutting the roots off and then i don't know what he uses it for or if he ever even uses it i just don't know the symbolism behind it so i just much. had a thought I'm, I'm google image searching okay oh i thought it might have been a garlic plant oh. and like he was growing his own garlic but this doesn't look anything like it so <laughs> I, I think i'm wrong <laughs> right well that would have that would have been kind of cool then i'd be okay with those farming garlic man yeah, and well, he like cuts the bottom off of it, and yeah. then they don't show any show him doing anything with it. So that's I, what I mean. I don't know if that was like. I wonder if that plant means something like in the comics. Like if you had to have some prior knowledge to it, yeah. yeah again, it we don't know for sure. The movie does a bad job of telling you what it is. Let's just say it that way. Right, and one thing that they did do pretty well in the MCU is like they dropped Easter eggs of like if you had knowledge of the comics, you would understand this reference. But they still, the biggest points and the most important things to enjoying the movies were explained or shown in the movie. Right, right. Um, and this movie fails at that if we're supposed to get something out of this scene. That's what I mean. We're, this is, we've seen that podcast. It's not like we've read that podcast. We don't, <laughs> we don't read the comics yet. I mean, we probably should, but I don't know if I'll ever pick up a Blade comic book, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure if they make a Blade comic book right now or not. Right. Um, whether it's currently in um, circulation. It's not the most popular of characters, I don't think. Right. Um, but anyway, so from here we go back to Deacon's place. That's where the videotape told Blade to go. Um, Blade or uh, Deacon is sitting there with Karen um and there she's saying now that she did fix herself that she is cured she's like bite me if you want because i'll just cure myself again (laughs) yeah just full-fledged like immunity apparently and i don't get it because it's just like a couple hours earlier she had injected herself i'm surprised she knows already that she's cured she must just feel 100 percent. i don't know apparently and like no question on whether or not it would work it just did right right (laughs) so from here um they are there's obviously guards out front of like the penthouse or out front of wherever they are 
and all of a sudden you hear a motorcycle running in and like blade comes crashing through some windows and starts uh mowing down a whole bunch of vampires with his fancy machine pistol yeah it's it's one of the probably cool cooler action scenes because it's like a neat area where they're fighting there's like a bunch of like water like coming down almost why is there water i I don't know jim it's the front entryway of a building (laughs) i know and there's like pseudo like waterfalls like falling down from like the ceiling i think is that what it it's what it looked like right it was it must be but i don't fucking know i don't get it so blades just kind of we get like a really cool kill here where there's like one of the i think it must be a familiar because it's like another guy laying on the ground who's wounded um but he's got vengeance in his eyes. He wants revenge for for Whistler's death, and he like sticks the gun like through one of these waterfalls, so it like focuses on the gun. But he's still like blurry behind the water. Mm-hmm. It's like a neat shot. But then the guy's like, "I just work for them," and he just shoots him anyway. There's like a cool <laughs> little scene there with the camera work. But yeah. But after that, you get to see the explosive chemical work on a real vampire. Right. He he throws these little vials with, of course, uh, little needles on them into two vampires and they blow up into these red screaming garbage pail kids before finally exploding <laughs> into a pile of blood seriously again just major total recall vibes like when they leave when they go out of like the atmosphere or, like when they remove the atmosphere on mars and like people just start to swell up and blow up and they look so right. corny and fake that's exactly what this looked like <laughs> right right um, so from the, this point, Blade makes it into Deacon's like room, which is where his laptop is, and it's showing the ceremony that Deacon is trying to pull off on the screen. The coffin thing on the lift behind him opens up, and that same woman climbs out of it, and Blade reveals that it's his mother. She didn't die uh, <sighs> from the vampire bite, now has been turned. Right. And so she's just been like deacon's like sleeping mate for the last fucking 30 years (laughs) i mean i think i think they're an item right clear but we've seen him with that well this is a vampires i don't know how much loyalty they ever have to like one specific lover we've seen but like he's with that like blonde one too quite often holding hands and yeah you know you never really know what their relationships are i guess so much that is true he does spend a lot of time with the blonde but i don't know yeah maybe that's the side chick i guess but yeah huge Um, reveal i am your mother (laughs) (laughs) not quite that way but right so then they're inside of an armored truck karen and blade are being driven somewhere um and blade says that he wants the cure from karen to fix himself because they she told him apparently now that she's cured i guess right and this is the time to talk about it um and she's like well but if you take it you'll become human no strength no nothing and i my question is isn't that the point right isn't he trying to like get out of this life or try to live some normalcy yeah i mean she's basically telling him like you can't give up like you're basically born to do this and if you take the cure you won't be able to fight anymore ah i don't know maybe he doesn't want to fight he always wanted to be normal anyway so it's like what's the point yeah she's basically like strong arming him into keeping this life of violence doesn't seem very passionate on karen's part (laughs) yeah 
But so from here, they unload them out of the armored truck and they're at the ceremony site. So it appears to be a vertical hole in the ground that's like, what, 10 stories down? Maybe? At least, probably. With like a weird. Along. Oh, go ahead. Like ceramic lined ceiling, almost, it looks like. Or like a, like a. Right. Yeah. Or like marble. Right. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Marble. Yeah. Yeah, and so then along, like, there's openings where it, it's all circular, right? So there's these levels, and the hallways on each level are open, so you can look down into the pit that's open in the middle. Um, and on each level, like, where the floor is are tablets pointing mm-hmm. in towards the middle uh, with various what appear to be vampire symbols on them. Twelve of them. Yes. And I have yeah, a very 12... bad, like, plot bad plot point that came up i don't know we if you want to keep going we haven't got to the part no, where no, they no. place them on the well they haven't placed them on the the 12 people on the tablets yet have they around the ring oh you're talking about the when the blonde kills the one yes of them? so now they don't have 12 <laughs> what anymore the fuck? she kills one <laughs> before we even get there like, ah whatever <laughs> Right, so there's there's no real plot here. Deacon comes in, reveals his entire plan to everybody, yeah. and they stand the 12 council members um, on these plates on the bottom. Right, and at this point, just quickly too, they took, because apparently they needed, like, a hybrid's blood. So that's why they wanted Blade alive. Blade. So at this point, you know, using, like, his mother as, like, his weakness, they, like, caught him, and they put him now, like, in, like, this weird like almost Han Solo-esque mold thing, but he's not like frozen or anything. He's just like collapsed into this like chamber. Between two tablets of stone. Yeah, and he's, they're like basically bloodletting him. Like they cut, like there's like razors that cut his wrist so his blood like flows down through that ceramic ceiling. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then it drips down onto all of the council members and then finally onto Deacon's forehead. But again, we repeat, one of the council members was mouthing off to this blonde <laughs> vampire, so she kills him. Yeah. And the, so the the ceremony that they're apparently working towards is incomplete. Right. But they just carry on like nothing happened, which if you're paying attention at all, they should only have 11. But anyway, the movie needs to happen, so we'll ignore that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So Deacon and Quinn also drop Karen in this little like pit, the small separate pit. And apparently, sometimes when you bite a human, they won't necessarily turn into a vampire. Sometimes they turn into a zombie and just straight up eat people, apparently. So here is the medical examiner from the beginning of the movie (laughs) as a zombie. (laughs) It's like reminded me. I just I got so many like weird thoughts in my head watching this movie of like other movies. Doesn't this just give you like weird like Return of the Jedi vibes when they're like thrown in the pit with that monster thing? The rancor. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like almost like really bad ripoffs but i don't know it was yeah it's just like weird that they just decided to bring that character back to uh, they just chose him of all people but yeah right nothing terribly exciting happens in the pit she basically punches him and then just climbs back out of the pit yeah like beats him she's with like in and out a, for a minute a bone that's down there we're assuming from like some other dead humans and just climbs out yeah <laughs> yeah so i mean that went quickly right um she then goes to find Blade, where he, his blood is being let. He, she opens up the tablet and sees him there incredibly weak. He hasn't had his serum, so he needs to feed. Right, and he's and, lost God knows what looks like gallons of blood at this point. <laughs> like, right, right. 
So she's obviously going to let him drink from her, you know, even though she's been fixed now. Right. Um, but that begs the question too, though, Jim, like him being not really a vamp, like, would he be able to infect someone, you know? Does his blood or does his, does his bite do that? I don't know. They never tell yeah, you. Yeah, I, I don't know either because right. it's not explained. And to be frank, Karen comes out of this unscathed at Pretty the much. end yeah. and is completely unconcerned. So it appears that either she's A, going to cure herself again because she just knows how to do it, right. or B, that they, even though they don't discuss it, he can't turn people. Maybe, right, yeah. Unclear. Um. So yeah, this is when the blood dripping happens on all 11 of the people <laughs> and Deacon. Um, so right after Blade finishes drinking from Karen, his mom shows up. Um, lightning comes down and zaps all of the uh, council members that are remaining. Right on their blood-stained foreheads. <laughs> Perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah. Karen stumbles off because she's delirious from loss of blood. And this is all happening in rapid succession. Yes. So I apologize if this seems choppy, but it's because it's it is. exactly what it is. <laughs> Um, so Blade corners his mom and she says, Eric, I'm your mother. You wouldn't hurt your mother, would you? And he says, I must release you and stabs her. Yeah. And she just evaporates like the terrible dusting like that we've seen so far. Bad CGI. Right. But now we get the worst CGI. Of this the is movie. the one I was talking about. <laughs> the council members out of their mouths come climbing skeleton bats, which that I... then fly around and eventually fly into deacon believe represents their souls it's like a pure i would think so right so purebred vampire soul is just a skeleton bat noted <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know it was really bad yeah this was maybe the worst one especially because there was so much of it and they were on the screen for so long right they made it a point to like go around the entire ring and show like each 11 or whatever 12 soul skeleton bats like come crawling out in the same exact way out of each like person's mouth <laughs> right right so blade gets his gear and then comes and enters the main area again uh he fights initially with quinn and cuts off his head quinn who was wearing blade sunglasses um the sunglasses go flying into the air and blade catches them and puts them on slow motion heroic mode too i loved it right <laughs> <laughs> so basically we get a big action piece here blade kicks the shit out of all of the non uh deacon Important. vampires yeah yeah people. yeah all the red shirts so to speak and uh eventually makes his way into the pit karen is fighting the blonde even though she's human and the blonde is a vampire right. so she should lose that fight by default but she sprays vampire mace into her throat <laughs> And her head explodes. <laughs> Again, we'll just let it happen for the sake of the movie. Yeah, but that's like my biggest gripe is like, I can't tell now, is she have some sort of super strength because she's been exposed or is she just totally back to being human? Because yeah, like if that's I the think case, Karen's back to normal. Right. She should just be like whipped across the room one time and like break her back on the wall and die. Like Exactly. That's exactly. Like what should happen. <laughs> I don't know. The <laughs> continuity does not seem super important in this movie. I guess so. <laughs> um, so Deacon and Blade fight. They each have um, a sword, right? Deacon or Blade has his own with the fancy grip, 
and uh, Deacon has a separate one. So they're fighting, and eventually uh, Blade cuts Deacon in half. But as Deacon's upper body is flying into the air, again, incredibly poor CGI blood comes and sucks it back on and reattaches it to the lower half of his body. So now that he's, like, absorbed the souls and basically become this, like, La Marga or whatever. Yeah, right. um, This ultimate like vampire he kind of had must i'm assuming just have like unlimited like regenerative health at this point or something apparently yeah (laughs) (laughs) to be cut in half and like re-sewn back together in a matter of like three seconds yeah but that's a good that's a good you know power to have i suppose right so Blade realizes that he's not going to be able to kill him by normal means, so he takes, like, the ten vials of explosive vampire liquid he has left and throws them all into Deacon, who turns into a garbage pail kid like normal and then explodes. Except the one really last one, the epic one vial left, he, like, lobs it in the air and, like, spinning roundhouse kicks it into his forehead, like, through right. air. <laughs> but yes, the serum that they've created somehow just, yeah, works really well and this ultimate vampire has a pretty quick and not very eventful death their fight scene wasn't that long (laughs) to be honest and to be frank it wasn't the best fight scene of the movie no it was pretty one-sided like you never really thought blade could be beaten by this guy which you would think him being like this you know ancient like there was like a whole prophecy about this guy that he wanted to fulfill this whole ritual and he pretty much dies immediately i don't know right right and from here the movie winds down pretty quick him and karen climb out of the pit he denies the cure now because he uh he has to wait until his war is won and he says to karen if you want to help me make me a better serum right um so maybe we'll see her in the sequel uh i'm unsure i cannot remember honestly but okay i do have one little bit of um like internet research gym that i think you'll find Mm -hmm. very interesting so apparently there was an alternate ending where morbius shows up Ooh, and he was supposed to be involved then going forward like into the sequels but guillermo del toro who directs blade 2 um marvel did not give them the rights to the character for morbius for the seek for the blade sequels so they kind of just scrapped the idea that's interesting because I mean I know we're getting a Morbius movie right. too, um, yep. starring Jared Leto, and whether or not that's going to be good is a whole conversation yeah. that we're not having today. Um, but so it would have been interesting to see them make that movie and then remake it now because right. they're that's kind of what Marvel's doing is they're moving on to remaking some of these really old movies that they had tried before. Right. So it would have been cool even just like a cameo, which I think is really all it would have been in the deleted scene. I think it might be out there. I I should have tried to find it, but I was just kind of more reading up on the movie. But yeah, apparently it's just some sort of cameo at the end that would have led into the sequels. But yeah, even if they would have had it, you know, that could that would garner a lot of hype for these movies now coming out you know the morbius movie and like just that those characters have been on the screen before at the same time whether or not it's in a shitty 1998 movie but at least they have been you know it would have been interesting for sure there's a neat right right there's just like a neat little tidbit though that i discovered it would have been cool because again i don't know i don't know anything really about either of these two marvel characters but you know yeah the only things i know is that they're vampires or well 
right. Blade kind of is. Right. But yeah. Um, so we wrap up with a super quick scene in Moscow. There's another one of these neon signs indicating a vampire club. Uh, Blade is, or there's a man who's clearly with a woman who's going to eat her. And Blade pops out and attacks. End of yeah. movie. No post credit scene. Disappointing. Marvel should have yeah. been on top of it, even in 1998, man. Come on. It's bullshit is what it is. <laughs> it is. I mean... I don't know. I guess we'll kind of just wind in. Um, a, my biggest gripe, if you don't mind, I'll kind of just jump into the score because I kind of just had one. Oh, let's just thing. do it. Yeah. Like, I settled at a six. Very entertaining from what I remember. Like, a lot of the action scenes are still fun. Like I said, I enjoy Wesley Snipes as, like, an action hero. Whether or not it was the greatest acting performance is kind of beside the point. I just, I thought he moved well. Like, his choreography was good. And, like, I just kind of thought he was able to like carry the screen like well as we talked about the cgi does not hold up whatsoever um and again like the ending was just so anticlimactic for what it was like building up to be some like super fight and yet he's pretty disposed of pretty easily so like you know kind of we talked a lot throughout the review of like what we liked or didn't like but um i kind of i gave it a six i figured it was very entertaining but again like so many things were just like just stupid like decisions honestly that they i thought they could have done better right we're absolutely on the same wavelength because i gave it a six too nice i had a lot of fun watching this movie but not because it's a good movie right um so all the cgi issues which fine it was 1998 but i i always say i grade my movies as i'm watching them today like if a movie ages poorly that's a poor mark on it and this movie definitely aged poorly uh could have been a super cool character uh and they did make two more movies i was gonna so say you got three it, movies which is quite amazing you know for happening as early as it did i guess in Mar- like in you know as one of the early marvel characters to get and you got three movies you know right and it was before the whole comic book craze of right. um of comic book movies really took off so i mean it's it's impressive that it did actually get made into more movies yeah um but with that i mean i think that wraps the review pretty much um, there was one quote in the last fight between the two i don't know if you heard it or not but blade as he's like about to kill him i think he literally says some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Yes, yeah. I have How could I forget no that? idea so what that meant. <laughs> I just thought it was just <laughs> hilarious when he said it, and then he like shoves the vials, yeah, into him or something at that point. But I'm just like, huh. I guess it sounds cool when you say it, but what does it really mean? I have it, no idea. It has no meaning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just another hilarious quote that I we touched on a few of them, but um. But yeah, I think I you know, we both hit it right on the head, I think. I don't know what Scott would have gave this movie. He probably would have like gave it a 10 somehow cuz he would have <laughs> loved love Wesley Snipes that much or something. I don't know, but 6 out of 10, I think that that's fair, you know. I, was I think very, it's beyond fair. Very entertaining. Like like I said I've seen it before and this is your first time you said? Correct. Yeah, and it's a lot of, it is a fun movie. It has a 7.1 audience rating on IMDb, which we were a little lower than the rest of them, but it shows like that's a pretty decent rating for like 
for a movie so like a lot of people seem to really enjoy it at least the first one right i think i think the problem with that rating on like movies from the 80s 90s early 2000s like before imdb was as prevalent as it is is like people are looking at it with nostalgia goggles so i i highly doubt that that 7.1 is truly a fair rating sure so to speak right um because i feel like you see that a lot with like old disney movies they sit so high but that they're, they're not like perfect movies necessarily like are they great yeah but should they be as highly rated as they are i think probably not because people rated them decades later right right yeah true like if you're yeah if you remember if you could have rated the movie like as you watched it you know they the review, they might be a little different but um but yeah that kind of wraps up our discussion of blade um that was the 26th movie we've done now god 26 i know right it's crazy uh, that's a lot of movies and plus all the what we're watching movies too like we watch a lot of shit man we do watch a lot of shit and it and i love it though like we're doing a podcast now, but this is like the kind of stuff I did anyway. I watched two to three exactly. movies a week anyway. Now I just come on to talk about it. You know, it's nothing. That's the thing is like, I enjoy being able to do this because what else, you know, I, I watch these movies. I put in, you know, the quote unquote where now it's a little more work when you take notes and stuff. And you and Scott obviously do the editing, which probably takes a while. I appreciate that. But like, yeah, other than that, you know, we just, we watch TV and movies anyway. Why, why not just talk about it? You can't agree. Right. This basically is just an appointment for me to talk to somebody about a movie. Yeah, I love it. Exactly. Um, but anyways, you want to announce what we're doing next week? Yeah. So we did this once already. Um, I would show you guys, but I but I can't because we're just talking to you. Uh, I have a bin full of movies. Um, we chose one before. We got, uh, I believe it was Lawless was the mm-hmm. one we got randomly, um, which turned out good. You guys both enjoyed that one. So hopefully... We get something good here. I'm going to step away from the screen for a second. So bear with me, people. <laughs> Jim, you might end up talking to yourself here for a little bit. If I just won't, but I'll oh make gosh, it quick. Oh, gosh, I got to vamp a little bit. <laughs> One second, folks. <laughs> yeah, really excited to see what we're actually going to pull out of the hat here, so to speak. Oh, and I think you'll probably catch Anthony rumbling around a little bit in the background. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Uh, but Anthony seems to have a wide variety of things. So the really, really curious to see what we're going to end up grabbing here. And hopefully we'll be able to do this some more too, so that, uh, we're not quite so predictable. So this will be a good opportunity to do something that's, uh, not necessarily streaming or like is super popular right this second. So Anthony is back. What did we get? All right, Jim, back from the bin. For the 27th episode, we will be watching The Monuments Men. Okay, uh, new movie for me. Awesome. Can you give us a quick rundown of what yeah, it is? Yeah, I can. It's a, It's actually based on a true story. It's a star-studded cast. Let me just run down the cast quick for you. Quick, George Clooney, Matt Damon, Bill Murray, John Goodman, and Kate Blanchett, to name a few. Um, based on the true story of the greatest treasure hunt in history, The Monuments Men centers around an unlikely... World War II platoon tasked with going into Germany to rescue artistic masterpieces from the Nazis. Okay. So, yeah, and, they're... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you always hear about uh, how 
Hitler and the Nazis were apparently gathering all kinds of artifacts for whatever reason. So interesting to see that that actually got made into a movie. I'm excited to watch it. And especially yep. uh, with such a cast, I'm just fucking hyped. It was um, it was one that I saw in theaters and liked it enough and liked the cast that I bought it when it came out. And I don't think I honestly have watched it since. Um, <laughs> but it was cool because I it's like somewhat of a – I always knew – um, but like you said, like the Nazis were gathering like, you know, huge art pieces as they kind of made their way across Western Europe and um, kind of piled them away. And like there was a tat, like a force tasked with like kind of retrieving these artifacts then and trying to like return them to where they belonged and stuff like that. So this kind of follows that those guys and how they kind of moved in with the army and stuff like that during the war. But. So, you know, and I'm really interested to see whether or not they run across Indiana Jones and the Ark at the same time. Um, <laughs> yeah. How great would a Harrison Ford cameo be? Some here? sort of, yeah, like shared universe at least. I mean, <laughs> come on, let's go. I think that's that's our million dollar movie idea right there, Jim, that we should probably make our own. Right. right. Indiana Jones, the like own cinematic universe where you can just bring in all sorts of classics and just time it's okay as we discussed they're making a fifth one for those people who need Uh, more indiana jones gosh can't wait can't wait um perfect no that'll be a fun one another another good uh like a good historical piece too which we which we seem to have done a few obviously judas and the black messiah a couple pods ago and um well god that might be it really yeah i think in terms of historical stuff that's the one true stories yeah that's probably is about it um so good that'll be interesting i'm gonna i'll be excited for that one for sure i think you'll enjoy it it's it's kind of it's a drama but there's obviously with the cast that they have there's a lot of there's with bill murray and john goodman you know there'll be some comedic parts for sure but yeah it's it's touching too so a good a good story and a good one i think you'll enjoy but um but perfect yeah so that'll be what we're watching for the 27th episode again the monuments men next week um so yeah other than that i think where can you reach us jim you can as always follow us on twitter at we've underscore seen underscore that like us on facebook or email us at seen that podcast at gmail.com that's s-c-e-n-e that podcast at gmail.com awesome well i appreciate everyone listening to us again for the 26th episode um join us again next week i'm anthony And I'm Jim, and roll credits.